The Washington Commanders should be bringing in competition for Sam Howell next season, but how and where they get that competition is going to be very important. That and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders to sign up today. And from there, you will get news insights, discussion, analysis, bonus content, all delivered straight to your phone via text message. No searching, no hashtags, no threads, no apps. It all goes straight to your phone. You text me and I get it straight from you. Go to jointsubtext.com slash locked on commanders today to become a lock insider. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media covering the Washington commanders for commandercountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our every dares. And as always, I greatly appreciate your continued support for the show. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code locked on NFL to get $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're redrafting 2023, and we're talking about a myriad of things, including coaching searches and who to keep on the offensive line. But first, the whole thing circles around the quarterback position, right? And to me, competition is always a good thing, uh, especially if you don't have a true blue franchise quarterback in the building. But you have to be careful on where you invest to bring in that competition next season to make sure that you're being, bringing in competition, but not fighting against yourself. And that's how we're going to kick off today's mailbag episode with Robert writing in. I was thinking, Dave, that we are in the same situation as 2020. We had a new regime coming in with Haskins, God rest his soul, as our number one quarterback. Now, four years later, we're in the same boat. New regime. Hal is our number one quarterback. We did not draft a quarterback to compete with Haskins, which we probably should have. We could draft someone like Cam Ward, who I think could be a steal or go get a Bo Nix or McCarthy. You can even wait later in the draft and give Van Dyke or Hartman, this is a great year, for quarterback. We should draft one and let Howell and him compete for a starting job in training camp. All right, great stuff from Robert there. Insider Robert, appreciates you coming through with that. Two schools of thought on this whole topic for me here. For position competitions, I kind of always like to have one young dude and one old dude. I like to have a veteran and a younger. I, just, and I say old dude, I don't mean like old, old, but you know, older uh, at least because you get the advantage of youthful energy, and moldability, coachability, all those things versus veteran experience, typically more consistency in what you can expect from them. But in a lot of ways, they're kind of stuck in their ways. They kind of are who they are uh, and their habits have kind of been solidified. Right. So you get a little bit of each flavor. Uh, and I think it just kind of gives you a better probability of finding uh, an effective match for your offense, for your team, for your locker room, all of that. Now, Sam is obviously still young. So for me, I would rather go the veteran route to bring in a potential competitor but you also want a competitor who can who is someone who can be your future uh, at least for a good solid while right that's why Jacoby Brissett really doesn't make a whole lot of sense outside of the short term because he is an older quarterback you're not sure how much more you're going to get out of him before he really starts to kind of decline in his play and his athleticism and then of course one injury you know the older you are uh the more nicks and and nicks and bumps and bruises you take uh the harder it is to come back from there so there's an age cap for me and for me that age cap is around 28 years old you might be able to go 29 depending on the candidate, but ideally you want to look at about 
28 years old. So looking at the free agent market next year, uh, the top three options that fit that mold for me would be Seattle Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke, who turns 28 in November of 2024, Indianapolis Colts quarterback Gardner Minshew, who turns 28 in May of 2024, and Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Jake Browning, who turns 28 in April of 2024. So all three of those guys are uh, turning 28 this next offseason or for Drew Locke in, in the midst of next season. Uh, and they all have, you know, varying levels of experience. I think Gardner Minshew, uh, off the top of my head, probably has the most games played. I know Drew Locke started for a while for the Denver Broncos. But Gardner, Gardner Minshew, between, you know, his stops in the NFL, uh, he's kind of been around. He's kind of a go-with-the-flow type of guy. He's he's a guy who knows uh, that he may come into a position as a backup. But if he becomes a starter, he's ready to become the starter. The Indianapolis Colts have really benefited from him uh, coming in, being the backup to Anthony Richardson. But when A-Rod uh, got injured, Gardner was able to come in and, you know, it's not this contentious quarterback situation where you've got the backup kind of hoping for the starters downfall and all these things. But this guy is youthful enough. He's energetic enough. He's experienced enough that you can kind of trust him to go out there and do some things. You don't need to completely shrink uh, into your offense. So I really like an option like Gardner Minshew. Drew Locke is a guy uh, that I kind of feel like got washed up in some tumultuous coaching situations with the Denver Broncos during his time. I feel like his potential was never truly tapped into, uh, but he's really been able to kind of stabilize who he is and what his career is uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. And of course, you see him this last week go out there, have a pretty solid game against Philadelphia Eagles. One game doesn't, you know, uh, make a whole lot of, of, of evaluation possibilities. You know what I mean? But when you look at a guy who, again, he's been a backup, he's done it with class. He's done it with professionalism. Uh, he's not a problem. I mean, you see Geno Smith, if you, if you watch that Eagles game, uh, when when Drew Locke throws what ends up being the game-winning touchdown, Geno Smith is on the sideline doing his kind of suit-and-tie celebration with him. So, I mean, obviously, your starting quarterback really enjoys having Drew in that room. There's a good relationship there, and that's that's ultimately uh, what you want is be competitors but also be brothers on the same team. Jake Browning, a little bit less experienced, but he's obviously uh, been able to do some good things with the Cincinnati Bengals getting his first shot in the NFL of regular season playtime. He's been around for a little while, so you know that's that's always good. You want you want to lean on some of that experience. So for me, when you're talking about bringing in a potential veteran quarterback to be that competition for Sam Howell, those are the three guys I'm looking at in that order: Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, uh, and Jake Browning. Because you know, again, if if any of those three guys comes in and wins the job over Sam, truthfully, just wins the job, then you've got you know, in theory, at least a better quarterback situation. But if either any of those guys are relegated to backup duty then they're familiar with that role and they accept that role and they're they're good in that role uh, as well. And then Sam, you know, he's he's been a backup before. It'd be his first time going back to being a backup. So, you know, you can't really fully predict what that would be. But given Sam's personality, given his ability to kind of compartmentalize, control what you can control, focus on everything else, uh, you know, you, you have to believe that he would at least be a good teammate in the room. Uh, obviously, wouldn't be happy with the situation, but would at least be a good teammate in the room. And, you know, uh, if you got any quarterback out there and this will go for Sam, let's go for anybody else. If you got a quarterback in your room that is is afraid of competition, then you know I think you have a, a, a pretty big problem uh, in your quarterback room. Now, looking at the draft, uh, and that's where Robert brought up some names. You know, Bo Nix is projected right now uh, by PFF to be a first round pick around the nineteenth overall pick. Uh, to me, that's too rich. You draft quarterback first round, nineteenth overall pick. That's not a competition. That dude is your eventual starter. Like it's just it's just a matter of when, not if. Um, so that's not that doesn't obviously meet our competition standard. JJ McCarthy. Second round, 58th pick, um, you know, not quite an automatic starter and all those things. I look back at, you know, Kyle Trask and Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a second round pick is yet to 
start a regular season NFL game. But I do think that, you know, a second round pick, the second that Sam has a bad game or struggles, you're going to start hearing calls for J.J. McCarthy or whoever that quarterback is to start coming in. And again, it's it's less of a true competition and more of a, okay, when is the first shoe going to drop so that people can start calling for this dude to come in before the second shoe drops. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is a good option, but he's actually staying in school. That's recent news. He's transferring to Wisconsin. So just updating everybody on that. Um, so certainly a dude to watch for the future, potentially if Sam gets the starting job 2024 and, you know, depending on how things go there, Tyler Van Dyke may be an, uh, an option that you're looking for in 2025. Now, I'm not against getting a developmental quarterback as well, right? A, a young guy to bring in the room. When you, but when you've already got a developmental quarterback like Sam Howell is, because, again, any quarterback in their first, second year, uh, third year even in the NFL, but first, second year as a starter, certainly a developmental guy. Like, none of those guys are done cooking in year two. It's just not how this works. Um, so to me, if you're going to bring in another developmental guy, you need to do it in the light that you're not going to also have pressure to start that guy. Now, what Brock Purdy has done is pretty much put any quarterback on any roster in the seat where they could be called for by a fan base or a media circle. So, But traditionally, you want to do that in the sixth or seventh round because uh, you want your first five rounds worth of picks to be guys who are going to contribute uh, somewhat immediately, even if it's on special teams, um, you know, or provide critical depth for, for critical positions like offensive line and stuff like that. Now, uh, when you're looking at the sixth or the seventh round right now in the NFL draft. And again, this is all going to change as we get through the process further. Uh, but as of right now, when you're looking sixth or seventh round, you're looking at guys like quarterback Sam Hartman, who Robert mentioned out of Notre Dame, Cam Ward out of Washington State, again, who Robert mentioned, but then also a guy like Devin Leary out of Kentucky. So those are three guys you could be looking at. Uh, for me, I would put them in that order, Hartman, Ward, and then Leary, if those are your three options. So all of that being said, uh, the time to compete for a starting quarterback job to me is in training camp. Uh, once training, once the season starts, you name your starter, you roll with your starter. Because to me, the quarterback position is far too mental of a position for a guy to be looking over his shoulder every single snap, wondering if that snap is going to get him benched. I've seen NFL teams do that too many times, and it hardly ever, if ever, uh, works out well for the quarterback or for the team. So competition is always good, but you do need to be careful where you invest in to get that competition. For me, if I'm the commanders, I'm going after a veteran free agent. I'm going to bring him in to compete with Sam Howell. And then I'm going to go probably sixth or seventh round, bringing another quarterback to develop along the back end. And then, you know, me personally, just because I know him, uh, but obviously the new coach and GM may not. Uh, I'm bringing back Jake from uh, if I can to keep him around my locker room and keep him around my young quarterbacks as well. We talked about some players we want to see more of on the offense these next three games this week. And we're going to expand that list now. Coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling guys like me and everybody else, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and then just sit back and watch your winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. In fact, I already got my submission in for Thursday Night Football. And on Thursday night, I'm rolling with Saints running back Alvin Kamara to get more than half a touchdown. Rams running back Kyron Williams to get more than 109.5 rushing and receiving yards combined. And Rams kicker Lucas Haversek to have more than seven points kicking. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Use the promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100 and then make your own picks or copy mine. I've been doing all right this year. Not perfect, but pretty solid. Again, 
Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks again for making a locked on commander's first listener, your first view today and every day. Every day is come back tomorrow. We've got crossover Thursday coming up. Locked on Jets coming through for that episode. Locked on is launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on sports today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Continuing on with our mailbag episode, Michael came through and said uh, he wants me to, to expand on my offensive players that I want to see more snaps from uh, as we get towards the end of the season. I mentioned uh, a guy like Chris Rodriguez, six-round draft pick, running back rookie this season. I want to see him get more reps, especially if Brian Robinson is unable to go against the New York Jets. Certainly want to see him get more involved. Uh, but Michael wants me to name more. And then he also wants me to name some offensive linemen that I want this team to keep and uh, to replace this coming offseason. So some offensive players I want to see more. Chris Rodriguez, like I said, is one of them. Uh, a couple of receivers, Mitchell Tinsley, you know what I mean? He, he had a really good camp, really good preseason. Uh, a lot of people were very excited when he made the initial roster. Uh, I want to see him get some some burn if possible at the end of the season here. Kaz Allen is a guy you got a lot of potential there. And again, nothing to really lose. Um, so throw him out, get back, get back out there, give him some live reps on some punt returns, give him some live fields, stuff like that. And, you know, he probably is going to muff one or two. He's, he might, you know, lose one or two. Um, but that's part of the growth process. Get him out there, give him some live reps in a regular season game. Uh, tight end Cole Turner. It's a receiving tight end league, uh, but we see less and less of Cole Turner. You know, I understand that the, the concern there is blocking. And in today's NFL, tight ends have to be able to block. They got to be able to receive uh, just as well, you know, for both. And John Bates does enough receiving things and is much better of a blocker to keep him in the lineup. Logan Thomas, obviously the, the veteran, but Cole Turner, you know, you got to put him out there again. You got to give him live reps. If you want to give him, so we're going to get him, get improved. If you want to, if you want him to improve in the blocking game, then, you know, blocking pads and practice blocking other tight ends and practice is fine, but you got to get him out there against these guys. You got to get him out there against these big dudes, trying to run them over and just find out how much is he going to fight back. Uh, offensive linemen, I got three of them. Mason Brooks, Alex Akinbulu, Nolan Laufenberg. Um, Mason Brooks is a dude that, you know, he's, he was a fan favorite in training camp. A lot of you guys have continued to ask me about him, you know, throughout the season. So I want to see him. Alex Akinbulu has been on this team for a couple of years now. Uh, practice squad, right tackle. So, you know, your right tackle position is not solidified. Just put him out there, get him some live reps. Nolan Laufenberg uh, is a lineman that's kind of been on in multiple spots in the, in the, in the lineup. Uh, during his time with the team. And right now he's listed as a center. So, you know, even if that you got Tyler Larson, Nick Gates, Tyler's a little bit along in the tooth. Nick Gates didn't really work out the way you wanted him to. Um, uh, Ricky Stromberg is injured. So let's see what Nolan Laufenberg can do in a real game, either a center or a guard. So I like to see those guys come in, get some reps. Speaking of offensive linemen, uh, keeping into replacing, I'm not going to get too much into replacing. Basically, if I don't mention them and they're not super young, so like Mason, Alex, Nolan, would love to see all three of those guys back next year. Um, so, you know, you're not really replacing them, but they're kind of bottom of the roster guys uh, anyway. But as far as keeping guys that are more towards the top of the roster, I would keep center Tyler Larson uh, again right now. He's the only center you have on the roster who has proven to be at least mostly stable. You know, uh, I think you move Nick Gates back to guard, uh, you know, have that conversation if he's willing to do that and, and can make that happen. I would keep him uh, along to either compete for that starting job next year or to be a key part of the depth of your offensive line. Uh, Sam Cosme is obviously a guy I think you're going to keep. I would keep offensive tackle Charles Leno Jr. Uh, that veteran leadership, that veteran you know ability. Uh, not saying that he's immune to being 
uh, replaced as far as being a starter. You know, maybe you bring in some competition for him and see if he can can maintain his job. If not, see if you want to move him somewhere, right tackle, uh, move him inside, or, or at a minimum, just tell him, hey man, be a leader, be a be a be a veteran amongst these these young guys. And obviously, you're going to keep Ricky Stromberg uh, as well. Outside of that, and again, developmental guys like Mason, Alex, and Nolan. I think everybody else is for the most part, pretty much replaceable uh, at this point in time. If again, you have the right moves made this off season. So thanks for that question. Next mailbag question. Keith came through. What do you think the jets should do about Aaron Rodgers? So Keith has kind of like a, uh, a mixed bag of questions. So there's gonna be a lot of fun. What do you think the jets should do about Aaron Rodgers? So the last report I saw Aaron Rodgers wants to play. Uh, the jets are eliminated from playoff contention. If I'm the New York jets, I'm telling a Rod to shut it down. Like there, there's no reason to come out here and risk your health. Uh, anything you do in these last three games is not going to directly correlate to what happens next season. I know if it's if it's a great three games, then we're all going to talk about it in the national media and spend all offseason talking about how the Jets would have been a Super Bowl contender with them, how he still looks great, you know, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, man, when training camp comes back around, uh, things are going to be new, things are going to be fresh, and, and things are going to get started. If he does poorly, it's all going to be about should the Jets go after another quarterback, uh, is the Zach Wilson thing done? Is A-Rod all over the hill? Should he retire? You know what I mean? It, it really is just going to bring up a bunch of narratives. The Jets are eliminated from playoff contention. There's really no benefit to the franchise for Aaron Rodgers to come in and ball out, and there's no benefit to the franchise for Aaron Rodgers to come in and either get re-injured or not ball out. So to me, shut it down. A-Rod, we love you. Come back next year. Um, Mike Tomlin leading the Steelers. Keith thinks that's a good fit for the Washington Commanders. In my opinion, uh, I don't hate the idea of hiring Tomlin if the Steelers fire him, but I'm not trading for him. Uh, I also don't hate the idea of hiring Robert Sala. If the Jets fire him, I'm just not trading for him. Brian Flores, defense coordinator in Minnesota, is another option that I'm kind of looking at. And honestly, Bobby Sloak is probably my first-time hire candidate if I'm looking to get a guy uh, first time out of a coordinator position. Um, and then uh, and then the lastly, Keith asked, which pattern do you believe in most, picking the quarterback and building around him or building a good team and plugging a quarterback in? I am a build-the-team plug the quarterback in type of guy. The quarterback is the driver of your car, which is why he's considered the most valuable. Uh, but unless you bring in a quarterback that can elevate everybody around him, more likely than not, you're getting just a dude that's holding the steering wheel. And if that steering wheel isn't surrounded by really solid parts, it doesn't matter where you drafted him. It doesn't matter how much you pay him. It's not going to work out very well. Very rarely do you get a quarterback that can make the parts around him better. And that's what people are looking for when they go out and draft a quarterback in the top five, top one, top two, even top 10. Um, and just, you know, unfortunately, it's just not how it typically tends to go. So for me, I build the team. I plug the quarterback in. If the quarterback is, is a truck and can bring everybody up with him, fantastic. If he's not, I've already got a good unit around him. Uh, and that makes sure that I'm going to be successful. So that's the route that I would go. Um, everybody's got their own kind of opinion. As we look to the future, let's try to learn from the past by doing a 2023 NFL redraft that's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your favorite events. And Game Time is the fast and easy way for you to buy tickets to all your sports, music, comedy, and even theater events near you. They've got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time simply takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They've got last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. Everything is literally easy for you to buy, and Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the time of the event, and for some of them, 
even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find last-minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On NFL, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create your account and redeem the code L O C K E D O N N F L for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Wrapping up this episode of Locked On Commanders, looking at a 2023 NFL redraft. I had plenty, uh, more than a few insiders ask me to do a redraft and kind of revisit what we thought before the before the draft happened and in the in the in, in the offseason and just kind of relooking at things that happened uh, since then. So here's here's how this whole thing broke down. Number one pick for the Washington Commanders, 16th overall pick. Um, I just remember going back to it. You know, cornerback was certainly a position that was high on a lot of people's boards. But to me, it was a nickel cornerback. It was a slot guy. That's what the Washington Commanders needed. Benjamin St. Juice made a lot of growth in the 2022 or season as an outside corner. Even though they started him inside, he ended up moving outside because William Jackson didn't work out. Uh, and he and Kendall Fuller made pretty good strides. Derek Forrest was looking really good. Cam Kerr was looking really good. Really like Danny Johnson. But again, he's not really that solidified guy. And obviously now he's not with the team anymore. Uh, unfortunately, but I wanted to see competition brought into that slot position. Cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland would have brought that competition in. You put him right there with, with Danny, and you just tell those guys, the best man's going to win this job. Go prove that you're the best man. There's no cross-training. There's no, maybe he's a safety, maybe he's a corner. There's no, none of this none of this crap. Uh, and, you know, when they went with a perimeter corner, it was just a pretty clear sign that obviously they looked at Benjamin St. Juice as still their slot guy. I disagreed with the opinion that 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 decision then. I obviously disagree with it now. Um, Benjamin St. Juice, if he gets to focus on just being an outside corner like he did for most of the season last season, continue to build on the good things he did. I think he's an even better perimeter corner this year. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't be necessarily in the position we are uh, now. So, you know, and I'm not completely sold. You know, again, this is this is just my opinion. This isn't coming from any source information. I'm not completely sold, guys, that drafting DBs in your first and second round picks didn't just completely tank the chemistry uh, inside the secondary. Not not from like hating Emmanuel, hating Quan, but like, you know, bro, like we like the secondary is one of the most improved units last year on this team. And then you spend your first two draft picks looking to replace guys. So to me, I think that might have kind of broken some trust that those guys had with Jack and with Ron uh, and and put, could have potentially caused some of the, the disruption that we've seen this season. Again, that's not source information. That's just kind of my observation as an outsider. Uh, but it is what it is. So, again, I don't go Emmanuel Forbes. I go Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland. Second round, pick number 17 overall. I go off the tackle, uh, Cody Malk. Now, he's listed as an offensive tackle in the draft out of North Dakota State, but he started 14 games so far this season at right guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Would have been a left guard for the Washington Commanders, and also he's played 100% of Tampa snaps this season. There's no guarantee that his health in Tampa becomes his health in Washington. But Cody Malk, if you remember uh, the draft process every day, he was a guy that I was really in love with. Saw him at the Senior Bowl, fell even more in love with him. Uh, certainly would have loved to see the Washington Commanders get their hands on him. And given some of the offensive line issues, uh, you know, I don't think he would have necessarily – he's still a rookie, right? He's still got some of his flaws, but certainly wouldn't have been any worse. Third round, 97th overall pick. I'm sticking with center Ricky Stromberg. I think that's a really good pick. I think that, you know – it's it's unfortunate because, again, like I mentioned before, you want your first five rounds worth of picks to be immediate contributors. But I also added in there or competitors or key depth. 
And the offensive line is key, key, key position. And Ricky Stromberg, unfortunately, you know, due to the injury loss for the season. But, you know, I feel like what you saw from him before that was very, very solid for a third round offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman. So we go two interior offensive linemen. Cody Malk potentially could kick out tackle with that versatility if you need him to. But I like him interior. Uh, anyway, and again, with the addition of Andrew Wiley, return Charles Leto, this team was never replacing their starting tackles in the first place. Fourth round pick 124. I'm going edge Tavius Robinson out of Mississippi. Uh, you know, I like KJ Henry. I like what Andre Jones Jr. has been able to do in limited play. But I think you needed a better option. You needed a higher pick to really start fully developing. I mean, to me, entering the season every day, as you remember, I kind of came in with the opinion that you're not signing both Chase Young and Montez Sweat. You're signing one or the other. Uh, potentially, if you don't sign both, I would have kept Montez. You know, it is what it is. And then Edge Tavius Robinson comes in as a fourth round pick. He's a rotational guy. You start developing some of that talent. Maybe he proves to you that you don't need a first or second round edge rusher next year. You re-sign Tez and, and you kind of reset your defensive line that way. Fifth round, 137. I go linebacker Noah Sewell out of Oregon. He's been injured, banged up with the Chicago Bears. But I do know that he was looking very impressive as a weak side linebacker in their 4-3 scheme. Uh, before the season started, you come in, you give some more depth behind Jamin Davis. And you're honestly, it's kind of a warning shot to Jamin, dude. We will replace you with a fifth round pick if you don't act right. Uh, sixth round pick, 193, Chris Rodriguez Jr. I'm keeping him. So we're staying, uh, staying par there. Seventh round pick, 233. I'm going safety, Anthony Johnson Jr. out of Iowa State. Again, Defoe, Cam Curl, really solid pieces. Percy Butler, you really like the potential that he had coming in. Jeremy Reeves, obviously, you love the energy that he brings in there. Add another guy, Anthony Johnson Jr. behind them to develop, learn, grow, give you a little bit of a safety net if Cam Curl doesn't return. So that is my Washington Commanders 2023 redraft. We go we go corner edge linebacker safety, uh, corner edge linebacker safety with four of the picks. We go interior offensive line, uh, offensive lineman, and we go running back with the other three picks. And uh, yeah, that's the way that I think that we could have done it or we could have done it. Washington could have done it um, looking back on it. But again, hindsight is 2020, of course. So, unfortunately, we don't get that benefit. However, uh, obviously, the Washington Commanders are, are eliminated from playoff contention. So, now the focus is on developing and identifying pieces you want to keep moving forward and also maintaining draft set capital. Coming up tomorrow, Locked On Jets coming through crossover Thursday. Two teams that are looking at draft capital more than they're looking at winning winning this the rest of the season. So, it should be an interesting conversation. In the meantime, if you've got questions, throw them in the YouTube comment section or text me directly by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Go to jointsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Don't forget that Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts and national shows. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Thank you again for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.